to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest edition of the Gifts for Glory podcast. Really excited to uh, share this episode with you. I hope that uh, you'll be blessed by our conversation. Uh, we have John Nicholas. Uh, he's a motivational comedian. He's a uh, speaker. He's an actor. He's a talk show host. We're going to get into all that coming up very soon. Uh, we uh, thank you for joining us. First thing I wanted to do is dive right into our Devotions with Dave segment. We're going to be reading out of Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. And I'm uh, going to start with verse 13 out of the NLT. Uh, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, that's everyone. There's no exceptions. So for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Romans 10, 13 to 15. And the key there is verse 14 right there in the middle. And ask some really important questions. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? So in verse 14, some very important questions. And it's our jobs as Christians, as, as believers, not to keep Jesus to ourselves, not to keep the good news to ourselves, because our job is to go out, as Jesus told us, and go and bless the world by making disciples uh, to the ends of the earth. And here's something I found really genius about the, the Great Commission. He says, to the ends of the earth. Jesus knew that the world was round. And when something is round, it does not have a beginning or an end. So when you keep going all the way around, get back home, keep on going. And your world has no end until Christ calls you home. So everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but they have to hear about him. And that's our job. That's our not. It's not a job. It's, it's our privilege. It's our blessing. So I just want to encourage you, get out there. Tell people the good news about Jesus Christ, about what he's done in your life. And uh, you'll be blessed. The people around you are going to be blessed. And... You're just going to make a huge difference in the world. The more people that come to know Jesus, the better off we're all going to be. So that was our Devotions with Dave segment. And now let's bring in our guest for this evening. He is, a, as I mentioned, a motivational comedian. He's a speaker. He's an actor. Uh, he uh, has a small part in uh, season two of The Chosen. And uh, he's also a talk show host, a host of the Hands and Feet of Jesus show exclusively on the Taken Network. Uh, so we're going to talk all about that in just a moment. So if you would please welcome my guest at this time. Uh, his name is John Nicholas. John, welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast. Glory to God. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I, I'm excited to have you. you know, we met uh, in person for the first time last week. Uh, we've been uh, uh, chatting back and forth on social media for uh, for a while. And you're somebody whose passion for the Lord I truly love and I really love the story of what God has done in your life. Uh, so I'm really excited for people to hear your testimony uh, here in just a, a few minutes. But uh, first, tell us about 
what exactly is a, a motivational comedian? Well, you know, back when I got started with comedy in 2016, uh, you know, you see what everybody's doing, how they're making people laugh, you know, kind of using crash jokes and whatever have you. When the Lord did his work on me, I just had a whole new approach. I, I knew I had, to, I had to come different. I knew I had to glorify him. And I thought about, you know, what better way to do comedy, but do it where you can motivate and inspire people with the message that's coming forth. So a motivational comedian is someone who not only just takes funny, but makes funny also inspirational. And where, uh, you know, the guests, you know, those who come to the shows leave better than they came. And you got started in comedy not as a, a Christian comedian or as a Christ follower. You got into comedy uh, a, a little bit ago, but on the secular side. Uh, tell us a little bit about your your journey in comedy. Yeah, so what happened was, man, I had a friend of mine, a friend of mine named Nicole. We were childhood friends, and she sent me a she sent me a, a meme, and it said like, you ever wonder and look at your friends like why are you not a comedian right and i took that to heart and i was like hmm why, why am i not right you know you've been told that you're funny and whatnot well i then had a dream uh where kevin hart uh comedian kevin hart actor uh i was kind of pursuing him like hey kev can i holler at you you know uh because i want to get into comedy and this is in the dream and he told me that i wasn't funny he told me i don't stand a chance mm. so i'm like i took i i kind of took that personal so i ended up getting upset in the dream Woke up out of the dream, upset. Told the young lady I was with at the time, uh, uh, previous relationship, uh, booked booked me on stage in McCurdy's, and and that's how I got my first my first set, uh, starting in comedy. Wow, and uh, you were also pursuing acting at the time. Uh, you've uh, you've done some some pretty big things in the secular side of, uh, of acting and entertainment. Yeah, yeah, I got started being an extra on a TV show called Bloodline. Uh, I ran three seasons on Netflix. I got started, uh, you know, I had a recurring um, extra role um, that led into like a feature where I was kind of like right there in front of the camera there uh, as a police officer. So back when I had the mustache shaved and the beard shaved and, and that went on, I was on season one, season two. And then um, from there, I got on another show called American Crime Story of Johnny Versace. Mm. And, and uh, another pilot that they was pitching for ABC called uh, Las Arenas. Wow. And so you, you've been around and, and you've seen uh, Hollywood. You've seen uh, big stages and things. And yeah, and uh, we'll get into more of you know the transition uh, as part of your testimony. Yeah. Um, so uh, what, from those experiences, I, I see that it's also helping you as well as our good friend uh, Barry uh, Alsobrook. Uh, in the launch of Taken TV. Sure. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Taken and uh, also tell us about the Hands and Feet of Jesus show. Well, Taken TV is a vision that uh, was given to Barry Alsobrook, good close friend of mine, uh, brother, brother in Christ. I met him about three years ago at the International Christian Film and Music Festival. And we just kind of grew in our relationship over the last three years. And it was a vision given to Barry about, you know, originally was the active Christian entertainment network and there was some rebranding in the mix of it. And God just did something amazing with it where Barry had a vision to have a network with content that glorified God on a much larger scale. And we're talking about a various of different content that's on there. Um, and the Hands and Feet of Jesus show was also something that was given to Barry about a show that, you know, 
this world needs the Western world needs a savior. Yeah? yeah. And just like we were reading, Christ calls us to be the hands and feet, right? It was mm -hmm. beautiful that you were reading here. And he said, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? So Barry had this vision that God gave him about the hands and feet of Jesus to where imagine kind of like a, a extreme makeover. Imagine we go into someone's home and there's a need in that home and maybe they don't know Christ, right? You said anyone who calls out to Jesus will be saved. Maybe they don't know Jesus, but there's a need, right? So right. we come in and we bring, you know, uh, maybe there's a need for a vehicle because a single mother doesn't know how to uh, transport her children to school because it's difficult because she doesn't have, she has four kids and no car or something like that. So we would come in uh, and minister to her, help heal the issues from inside, you know, within the home, tell her about Christ, of course. We hope that she would accept Jesus, but then we would bless her with that vehicle and just tell her it's in, it's in Jesus' name that she receives it. And that's the whole heart of the Hands and Feet of Jesus show. So I've been honored to be the host of that show. Um, and and we just took we just took off with it. Right now we've been doing interviews and glorifying God that way, but we're looking for those who can get behind us, bring the funding so we can really start writing checks and blessing people. Amen to that. Uh, and you can find uh, more information at uh, takenetwork.tv. And I'm sure we're going to talk more about uh, the, the TV show and, and the different things that you're a part of. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that we had plenty of time because you have a, a really powerful story and testimony. So I want to dive right into that. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit or you know, tell us as much as you're willing to share uh, about your life growing up. Were, were you born in, into a Christian family or, or what happened that, uh, that <laughs> took you off on your journey? So absolutely not. I was not born into a Christian family. In fact, uh, this is part of the story is written in a book called Jesus Changed Our Lives. That's available for those who would want to purchase it. Um, in the book, I talk about how I actually was born in a car. I was actually born in a Monte Carlo. My mom almost named me Monte Carlo. Like I was not going to be John. And what and what happened was that uh, I was born in the I was born in a car uh, Monte Carlo. And what happened was it was, uh, it was a day in Jersey, and my mom was rushing to get me to the hospital. Do I still have you, Dave? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, screen kind of went down to a full me, so I kind of got lost there. Um, can you can you bring it back to where you're in it? Yeah, there we go. Oh, okay, because it was just me from there. I'm like, wait a <laughs> second, am I auditioning now? <laughs> so I was, uh, I was born in a car. My mom was trying to make her way to the hospital, and they actually brought me to a psychiatric ward. It was supposed to be a hospital, but it was a psych ward. So it's kind of, I guess, where I got the crazy John from. So, uh, <laughs> so the, my grandfather ended up bringing me there, got it wrong. They were like, no, this is not a hospital. So anyway, after the, they got it right, and uh, I, I grew up in a home where there was no Jesus. My mother was a Jehovah Witness, so there wasn't no real Christ teaching. It was what Jehovah Witness teach, which is not particularly you know, how Christ led or what he wants us to know about his spirit. Uh, so, and then on top of that, it was a Haitian church. So I'm sitting in the front row and I'm, I'm passing out, you know, cause they're doing it in French. Mm. I don't know what's happening. I can't even, I don't even understand what they're saying. So I grew up in that, in that environment. And then at the end, they're like, amen. And I'm like, amen. After I woke up. <laughs> so, so no Christ in the house, nothing like that. Uh, and then shortly after that, uh, you know, because I grew up in a home that was uh, very ab ab abusive. So I, I was abused as a child growing up. It was difficult. 
uh, for me to be the funny guy that I wanted to be because there was always the abuse that I knew it was coming, you know, at the end of the night or if I did something wrong or whatever have you. Um, so, but in the midst of that, I still was, you know, doing my funny thing and making people laugh. That's how I was able to kind of vent and process that pain. Sure. But, uh, shortly after the age of 12, I was actually kicked out of my mother's house and sent to Brooklyn, New York. Hmm. And that's when I, uh, I got into the, the, the religious cult group known as the Hebrew Israelites. Wow. So, uh, if, if I can ask what, what kind of spurned your mom to kick you out and send you to Brooklyn? So, uh, you know, I was responding to the abuse, um, and, you know, and not responding in violence, just responding in not doing well in school, you know, looking for an escape, you know, scapegoat, you know, hang out mm -hmm. with some friends, that kind of deal. So what happened was uh, she remarried and she brought another man into the house, wasn't my father, of course. Um, and what happened was she, uh, he gave her an ultimatum. He told her, you either choose me or you choose him. Oh. And of course, she chose her marriage. And uh, mm. after that, you know, he's he basically said, "Get rid of him," and they did. They got they got rid of him. And he sent me to New York. So, uh, was it uh, to family in New York or friends or how? What was the situation going up there? Yeah, sent me to an uh, aunt of mine who resided in Brooklyn, New York. And when I was sent there, uh, I was immediately brought. I had a cousin of mine who immediately brought me in uh, to this religious cult group. Uh, known as the Hebrew Israelites. And then he brought me to like a park. It was like a random park that, you know, basketball, playground, whatever have you. And then I saw like maybe, I don't know, maybe 50 to 100 guys, uh, young men, older guys, all there. <laughs> and then quickly I was brought in to the to this this cult later on that I found out that's what it was. And then um, they end up removing my name, renaming me, and then kind of trained me in whatever they were teaching. So you joined this group, and obviously because of the abuse and everything, you hadn't really found a, a strong family to be a part of. So it sounds like maybe this cult gave you the family that you've been missing. Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. This family, I mean, it was it was predominantly men uh, mm -hmm. and, and young men. So they brought me in. They, they, you know, they loved on me in a tough sense. Now, I was already a tough guy because of the abuse and everything that I suffered. Uh, but they definitely were a brotherhood, strong brotherhood. We were a unit, um, you know, definitely felt like, felt like love, felt like brotherly love. Um, but, you know, I had to find out a little later that it was a, it was a cult movement <laughs> that I was a part of. Now, this time, as you're part of this group, they used a lot of terminology, from what I understand, that made it seem like it was actually a Christian up and up group. Am I understanding correctly? There was some of that, yeah. There was some of that, but they would they would use a lot of, uh, you know, he Hebrew terminologies. You know, it was a lot of shalom ach, ach was brother or achia that was sister. You know, so they they would say shalom. You know, we would uh they would use other words that would reference like bless and God bless you and peace be with you kind of kind of deal. You know, there was prayer involved and whatnot. So yeah, you would you would think that you know uh, there were kind of walking according to the word of God. So uh, what was their, their biggest message? If it wasn't something that was up on the up and up, what were they teaching? What were they trying to get across to you? Well, the, the, what was being taught to me was that we were the original 12 tribes of Israel. So we're, we're Jacob's boys. You know, we're, we're the original 12 tribes of Israel, and we were the rightful uh, ones chosen by God. We were the rightful 12 tribes of Israel, and um, 
It wasn't that anyone who calls upon the name can be saved here in Romans. It wasn't any of that. It was, no, you would have to be from the specific tribes uh, of the tribes of Israel, one of the 12. And then they also taught that uh, Jesus Christ was returning in the year 1999. So uh, 1999 comes and goes into the new millennium. Uh, is, and that's kind of the turning point where you realize, wait a minute, they don't know what they're talking about. Correct, correct. So uh, I remember that night very specifically. We were all, we, you know, everyone was kind of uh, crashing their cars, giving their money away, you know, giving all their jewelry away and whatnot, you know, going out for $20 uh, breakfasts and then paying the, the, the waitress $100, you know, for a tip or whatnot. Because, wow. you know, we don't need a crisis coming back. And that night it was, you know, they got it down to the T, like we were waiting for midnight. And this was during the Y2K time. Mm -hmm. And when Christ uh, didn't come back, you know, I'm looking up at the clouds like, where's he at? You know, I'm, I'm waiting and no Jesus. And after that, you know, they try to come up with another, another doctrine, you know, uh, carry the one minus the two mm -hmm. kind of deal and uh, no Christ. So that kind of went on for a couple more months. And then I realized it's my time to roll out of here. This, this is, and I gave everything I had to that, everything I had. So when he didn't show up, I, I was out. So when you left, uh, did you go right to finding Christ through a church or what happened when, once you left? Oh, once I left, I was basically went and did everything that they didn't let me do when I was in the group. So mm -hmm. I went into the party scene and Brooklyn is, is what's known as a lot of basement parties, right? Uh, the West Indians call it fets, a lot of, a lot of fets. So mm -hmm. we were, I was, uh, you know, with the boat parties, the basement parties. It was all about music. It was all about the clubs. It was all about drinking. It was all about girls, you know, and, and that's what it was. So, so for the next 16 years, I consumed myself in partying, drinking, smoking marijuana, sleeping with women, and all that craziness for the next 16 years. So Christ didn't come till later on. Do you think that there was, even in all the, the, the craziness that was uh, part of that group and, and also some of the stuff through the Haitian church, do you look back and see any seeds were planted that were able to harvest, or were you just completely new soil uh, by the time that you found Jesus on your own? You know, Dave, if we were to really go back and think about it, you know, you can go back to when Christ uh, chose us and predestined us before he formed the earth, you know, mm -hmm. I think there was always a seed. I think he put, he put that seed in me before he formed me in my mother's womb, you know? So there was a seed planted, I'm sure, but I definitely didn't see any manifestations of that, you know, until way later on. So yeah, I would more or less call it fresh soil. You know, I was always a positive, you know, kind of guy, you know, always telling jokes and keeping it real positive. I wasn't a negative guy, but I was a very angry, and buried my pain deep inside. So uh, Jesus cultivated fresh soil when I met him at 33. So uh, you go and, and hit 33, which is around the same age Jesus was when he when he yeah. died on Calvary. So it's kind of interesting that that you died and were born again uh, at 33. It's a very nice parallel. Yeah. Uh, so what triggered that change? What happened that made you want to? actually pursue Jesus in a real and a healthy way? Was there a turning point or what happened? Well, there was a major turning point. So I was married for seven years previously and I realized that I was depressed 
in that marriage. I realized that I wanted to add dreams, I had ambitions, I had goals. And um, the person I was with held me back from that. So there was a night that I had, I, I went to sleep and I woke up sweating profusely, um, uh, thinking about whoever my father was. I don't know who my biological father is, but I remember waking up in the middle of the night crying um, and just kind of like panting heavy. And in that moment, God was able to lift that grief, that pain off of my, my chest. Mm. And in that, in that time, I started to just, he was helping me come to him. That's when I realized I no longer want to be married to uh, the woman that I was with and the things that I've done. Um, but then from there, I got into involved in another relationship that I wasn't faithful in. But in the midst of that relationship that I wasn't faithful in for, with that young lady for four years, I started to discover more of the things that I wanted to do kind of like towards uh, for the world, not more or less for Christ because I didn't know Jesus at that time, but for the world. Now I was attending a church with this young lady. So at times that I would go down to Homestead where she was from, uh, she'll, you know, we would go to the church that she was a part of and I would sit in it and I would hear the message, um, but it wasn't really, take. I wasn't really retaining anything because I kind of had my own incentive, my own, my own, you know, agenda going. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really until I started to kind of get closer to the things that I was doing with the acting and the comedy that, uh, you know, I, I, I cheated for the last time and then I couldn't take it anymore. So basically she found the messages that was incriminating me. And then from there we broke up and it was, uh, it was real gut wrenching for the first time I felt what it felt like to be cheated on because I cheated on this young lady, but I would never feel the pain in my heart, but somehow this time I felt it. And it was excruciating pain. Oh my goodness, it was excruciating. And then from that point, a friend of mine told me to listen to a guy named Les Brown. Um, he was a motivational speaker. I had listened to him. He talked about greatness in him. And I ended up hearing the voice of God tell me that, that I have greatness because of him who gave it to me. Not because of Les Brown, but because of, of God. And then I opened up the word of God and I went to, uh, somehow I opened up my Bible and then it turned to 1 Peter 3. I kid you not. I opened it up, it turned to 1 Peter 3, and down at the bottom of the text, it speaks about baptism and the symbolism of baptism. And mm -hmm. it says in the days of Noah, when there were only eight that were saved through the water, you know, <clears throat> later on in the text, it says, now this water is this baptism symbolizes a clear conscience towards God. My conscience was seared. I had no conscience. There was no correlation between my head, my mind, and my heart. Mm. Until I read that scripture and it literally popped off, off the pages to me, like, like, like 4D, just hit me right in the face. And I knew what needed to be done. And I never met Jesus. I never met, but that's the first time me recollecting, recollect that I read Jesus Christ's name for the first time in the word. And then I went to that same church down in Homestead, Florida, Life Point Christian Church. I'll never get the pastor, Richard Witter, a good friend of mine. And he baptized me. Man, he baptized me April 24, 2017. I went down that water, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, came back up, and I was a, I was a new creation. So you were kind of in this long process of, like, God took that weight off your chest that night that you woke up with that heavy sweat, but you weren't quite ready to count the cost and fully follow him. But God knew, and he kind of he protected you, and then that conviction finally hit you. And um, I have a pastor or an old pastor that called it being in the crock pot. Mm -hmm. you, know, you start simmering for a little bit, you got to cook down the fat a little bit, uh, maybe skim some some of the grease off the top, but eventually 
you cook down, you break down, and then you're ready to, to serve. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I definitely, he, well, see, he left me in the world brewing for some time, like mm -hmm. like a crock pot, till the meat fell off. And then when I got baptized in 2017, my walk wasn't the strongest. I, it was mm -hmm. it was shaky. I was wobbling. I had weak knees in, in the beginning. And I, I still had some trouble, uh, you know, drinking. There was still some marijuana smoking. Um, but but the beautiful part was I met my wife a week later doing Uber in, in Miami. I'm doing Uber in South Beach, and I pick up the most beautiful thing I ever laid eyes on. And the Holy Spirit told me that this is your wife. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I, I just got out of a relationship. I don't want to be in another relationship. I want to just learn you, Jesus, you know. Uh, but I end up speaking to her, you know. Uh, and then quickly, the next day, I had a comedy competition, a real big comedy competition called The Ultimate Miami Comedian. Some, mm -hmm. some heavy stuff on the line. Yeah, I didn't get the prize, didn't get the grand prize. So I kind of fell into depression after that. She was still just kind of being my, my friend and texting me and whatever have you. But we ended up connecting after that. And and, um, and I told her all about Jesus. And then from there, through her prayers and us kind of in us courting, six months later, she accepted the Lord. So wow. it, was, it was really um, meeting my wife who helped with my walk because she was a challenge in herself. You know, and I started to learn what it was between Christ and the church and how Paul describes it in Ephesians 5. And she was a challenge. She went through a lot in her life. And it really took me to dig deep into the word of God to wash her with the word. And that's how I, I started to straighten my kneecaps out and get a little stronger with my walk. So in learning how to disciple her and bring her to the Lord, you are teaching yourself how to be discipled in the same way. And it's, it's great how, how it was like that double-edged sword where God got you both together at the same time. Man, you said it, man. You know, you say it so well, and thank you for that. See, a lot of Christians, a lot of those who, who walk with Christ, they don't understand the importance to why Jesus said, go out and make disciples. Mm -hmm. We're called to go out and make disciples, not just because... It brings those to Jesus, but it increases our walk with him. So when I'm, as I'm discipling the woman that a year later I married, the anointing started to flow through that because I took on more of the character of Jesus because the time that we bumped heads and she disagreed and she's reading the scripture and she might not understand or she takes it out of context and she do something else. And as I'm explaining the word to her, I'm edifying myself. And so for, for me to be in the Lord now for three years going on four, yeah, I've definitely increased in my walk with him because of the fellowship with my wife. And and it, that's such an important detail that's often missed is when, like you said, in the Great Commission, we're told to go and make disciples. First thing is go. That's an action verb. Yeah, you can't really go <laughs> sitting on the couch or sitting in a pew once a week. You have to go. Yeah. And as you make disciples, these people that you're discipling and spending time with and fellowshipping with, they're going to ask you questions that you may not have asked before, and they're going to force you to dig deeper so that you can get them the answers while at the same time you're getting yourself the answers. So that's so important. Jesus didn't ever have to do that because he had the answers, but everyone since then has always needed to dig deep and provide deeper answers, whether through prayer or scripture study. And that's the important part about being a, a, 
a discipler is that you're also discipling yourself in, in growing in your knowledge and wisdom and, and power in the word. Well, you see, Dave, it's it's like it's kind of like what we're doing now, right? We're taking this time for uh, you know, thank you so much for having me on your show. We're taking this time for to talk to one another, and those who are viewing currently are learning and being edified by this conversation in which the Holy Spirit is the one navigating, orchestrating the entire thing. So imagine when you kind of like read books, like when I read books to my children, as I'm reading the books to them, even if it might be a kid book, you know, or whatever the case is, you know, uh, Dr. Seuss, you know, green eggs and ham, right? One fish, blue fish, red fish, yellow fish. In, in the midst of that, I'm like, you know, why do they have all these fishes? Why are they there with different colors? And I'm coming up with all these questions myself and I'm educating myself in a sense. So when you look at the word of God and we read the word, right? You know, faith comes by hearing the word and we hear the word, right? We're not only edifying those who we're reading to, but as you speak it out, it goes from you reading it, you already know what the word's gonna say before you read it, but then when you say it aloud, you hear yourself saying it, and then it kind of goes to this filtration system, you know, kind of like a circulatory, circulatory system. And then in the midst of that, you're educating yourself while you're, while you're you know, uh, reading to someone else. So you, absolutely. So it's an awesome story because you meet your wife in an Uber, uh, you, you start discipling and building a relationship because in it's God all the way because had you guys just decided, oh, let's go out to dinner. It might not have worked that way because you guys would have been unequally yoked because you're a new believer. She was not. So you guys had to kind of simmer in that crock pot together and then oh, yeah. get married. And uh, and now you guys are, are both out there. And yeah. uh, I see her on Facebook and, sure. and social media. She's, you know, she's solid in, in you know, uh, sharing the love and joy of Christ. And, um, so you guys are, are this power couple. Um, now, for those that maybe aren't saved, has it been easy since you guys got married and since you guys uh, started following Christ? It, it, does it become easy when you uh, become a Christian? Absolutely not. It paints a target on your back. Yeah. You know, my, my wife uh, for the first six months was not a believer. You know, um, you know, she was making her way. You mm -hmm. know, I had to help her understand what God was saying. You know, she was trying to process a lot of her own pain. She became a believer six months into the into the relationship. Got you know got saved, um, or was baptized rather, right into Christ. Um, but then she grew. She grew in her relationship with Christ, and we did together. And as a result, it was not easy. You know, in the midst of that, Dave, we lost uh, two babies. We had two miscarriages. Oh. In the last three years, we're going to be three years married in June, four years together in in May. And uh, or June. So uh, what happened was we lost two children. We've been homeless multiple times. We've, uh, you know, got down to just the dollars, scrubbing it together to see if we can, you know, uh, make a meal, you know, have a meal, buy some mm -hmm. rice, some beans. And my wife is from Guatemala. So beans and rice is right up her alley. <laughs> you know, uh, we've had to go through a lot of hardships, you know, a lot of backstabbings, family turning their back on us, you know, forget it, the family turn their back completely, you know, on both parts, her side and my side. Um, so it was a rough, rough road, you know, but what I love about it is the refining. And mm. there was such a refinement in the midst of all that. And not once, Dave, glory be to God, I never, we never turned our back on the Lord. 
it was always fall forward. Nice. And, and that's what you have to do as a married couple. Uh, you got to fall forward uh, because you're heading in the right direction. That's right. And uh, it's easier to pick each other back up when you fall forward and you trust in the Lord. And, and no matter how far apart a married couple might be on an issue, as long as they both draw near to the Lord, they're going to be closer to together. No matter how far apart they are on an issue, the closer to the Lord they are just by actual physics, you're going to get closer to each other. Yep. And so many marriages today just quit because it's, it gets hard. Because there's actual physics, you're gonna get. And so I, any anybody that's a Christian that wants to get married or sing about marriage or is married, it doesn't get easy, but it's so worth the battle. It's so worth the struggle as long as you draw closer to the, to the Lord. You know, I I say it like this. That I agree with you 100. percent And I say it like this that it says in Ephesians, a husband's job is to prepare his bride for the coming of Jesus Christ. Mm. And when you do that, the, the Ephesians 5 in, 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 the, in, the first, in the chapter, it describes it as washing her with the word. And you're mm. washing her with the word. And you're not washing her like dirt off her body, like how it described in 1 Peter 3, baptism. You're washing her with cleansing her from the inside. All those, the unworthiness, the I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm this, I'm that. And you're washing all that. You're washing everything that Satan put on her. And as you cleanse her, the Bible talks about preparing her to be a splendor without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish for the coming of the day of Jesus Christ. So when a husband does that for his wife, he reaps blessings upon himself so that his prayers won't be hindered, like the word says. So me and my wife, we've gotten stronger because everything that she throws at me, like the church you know, throws all kind of complaints to Jesus. Jesus never says like, you guys are horrible. I'm going to start over. Mm -hmm. No, he washes us with the word, cleanses us, and he prepares us for the day of his coming. That's the same responsibility in a marriage. Yeah, we're, our job as husbands is to love our wives like Christ loves the church. Yep. And uh, a lot of men like to skip that part, and they talk about wives submit to your husbands, but they don't go for the follow-up. Because that whole section is like 20% instruction to the wives, 80% instruction to the men. Uh, yeah, I, honestly, I think the, the blunt of it comes on the man, right? Because remember, Jesus is our, our, our bridegroom. Mm -hmm. He took that full responsibility of the cross on his shoulders, right? There was no one else that needed to be crucified with him. And when you look at the thief to the left and the other men to the right, uh, it's not that they were supposed to or had to be crucified with him because they took on what he took on. But if you look at it, you know, the thief, the two thieves on the cross or murderer thieves or whatever have you, one repented right there on the cross. And yeah. that that's the one that represents the repentant church. And the other one represents the world. Well, if you're God, won't you come off your throne? You know, if you're God, why'd you take my mom? If you're God... Pay my rent. You know, if you're God, give me a Ferrari. So, you know, Jesus died for our sins, and he's such a good husband, and he takes good care of us. So I really, when I'm in men's ministry, I represent the first hour for men uh, that's endorsed by Promise Keepers. So I'm all about talking to the men, and I cut right to the heart of men. See, you see, the part of the, what you said was how Jesus died for us, and he gave, and he, uh, uh, love your, husbands, love your wives of Christ of the church. The next text says so that he gave up his life for her. 
There's not a lot of husbands sacrificing and giving up of themselves for their wives. Okay. Yeah. Even if it's a matter of get up off the couch, stop watching football, get up and go help her. You see her doing all kinds of stuff around the house. Go do something. Wife, wives want to see their husbands motivated doing something. Okay. Because where, where wives get upset uh, is when, uh, when they get flustered and frustrated is when they see their husbands capable of doing so much and they don't do, they're not doing anything. And then men think it's okay because I'm the man. I get to sit back. Oh, I work hard. I work 12 hours. But Christ never complains as such. No, not at all. And uh, it, it's such a such an important thing for men because that's how you lead your home is you lead by example. You, you lead by serving. You lead by doing the work that may not be glamorous or glorious and you may not even get thanked for. But you lead by that example. And that's what Christ did. He led by that example. Amen. It's so important. Now, I want to jump back a little bit, um, go back to your story, because you, you get saved, uh, you get you your life to the Lord, you witness to your wife. Where is comedy and acting and all this? Uh, uh, were you still pursuing it? Were you done with it? What, what's the story there? Well, I actually took a break. You know, after I met my wife, and, and um, as, as far as Kevin Hart was concerned, I, I saw Kevin, I ended up meeting him, and I asked him to come to my comedy show, and he ignored me. He looked me in the mm -hmm. eyes, he walked by me like I didn't exist. And that actually hurt me, because I thought that's why God wanted me to get into comedy, because he gave me the dream. So mm -hmm. actually, God took comedy and acting away from me for a year. Wow. From 2017 to 2018, I didn't do uh, at all of any getting on stage or acting or anything of that sort. Until uh, 2018, where I, I end up um, finding out about Christian movie, Christian films, mm. uh, Christian anything. I, I think one of the first things I was watching was uh, Encounter series on Pure Flix by an actor named Bruce Marciano. Oh, yeah. And I saw it, and I was like, man, this thing is solid. I love what I'm watching. But, you know, there was some of the acting that was cheesy. Bruce did a great job on uh, some other films I thought was kind of cheesy. So mm -hmm. I knew that acting. I knew that I wanted to be an actor. One of my greatest actors I loved uh, growing up watching was Denzel Washington. So I said I wanted to be the Denzel of, of Christian film. Like, well, we need a Denzel in Christian film. You know? Um, and I know he's not as handsome as me, but I figured, you know, you know, why not, right? You know, why not? Give it a shot. So anyway, I ended up going to the Christian Film Festival and I ended up meeting so many believers from all over the world. It was insane. It was just like, I was like, oh my God, this is like amazing. It's kind of like Comic-Con for the, yeah. for the you know, superhero fan, you know? And mm -hmm. I was there and I was like, oh snap, Kevin Sorbo, T.C. Stallings, you know, David A.R. White, Cameron Arnett. Oh my God. You know, and I was just <laughs> losing it. And uh, and I fell in love. And that's when I first did my first audition with uh, in front of like a number of casting directors and, and whatnot. And I ended up doing a scene from John Q, uh, Denzel, you know, Denzel's movie, John Q. Oh, yeah, great movie. Sure enough, man, by the grace of God, I knocked that thing out the park. And, and people were giving me their business cards, and it was going amazing. But after I left there, I was given the book, The First Hour for Men, uh, that last night at the VIP dinner night. And I ended up going home reading the book, and it talked about giving your first hour to the Lord. And I did that. I read a story about a guy named Mark Cook, ex-Hollywood producer, Lawson's plays, Black Dog, Passion of the Christ, you know, the rookie, you know, the perfect game. And uh, his testimony just impacted me so greatly. And mm -hmm. I ended up giving my first hour to the Lord every morning for the next 30 days. 
And that thing transformed my relationship with Jesus, sold out for Christ. And that's when God started opening up the doors for Christian, you know, faith-based clean comedy, faith-based acting and things like that. That's awesome. And that, that's so important is to start your day with the Lord. Oh, yeah. um, and think about tithe every day to the Lord. That's and right. One of the hard things is these are our alarm clocks these days. These that cell is phones. a cute phone you got there. Yeah, it, it's it's pink. I, yeah. I'm, I'm it, matches, it matches your shirt. I see what you did there. Hey, you know, I, I got to coordinate. I mean, my wife's not here to pick up my outfit. No. Coordinate. Well, you're doing just that. <laughs> but one of the things that I'm, you know, looking at is get a real alarm clock and stop using this because the second you hit hear the alarm, what notifications did I miss overnight? You know, who liked my thing on Facebook? Who That's good. retweeted? So, uh, yeah, give that first hour to the Lord. Uh, and he, and for somebody that has been doing this, yeah. when you give that first hour to the Lord, does he? seem to have a way of giving it back somehow that's a great that's a great question i'm i'm typing in the website for for our viewers to um go ahead and go to that website because they can pick up the book there uh if i if i read in mark 135 it says preaching in galilee and i'm reading the tony evans study bible i love tony evans we just mm -hmm. came from the wingman nation event right this past yeah. last saturday and we were impacted we got blessed by a brother named john jonathan evans right Mm -hmm. That was amazing. Well, if you look at it, in verse 35 of, of Mark 1, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, being Jesus, got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. You see, when you intentionally wake up your wake up, wake up in the middle of the, or in the middle of the morning, interrupt your sleep, purposefully sacrificing your sleep to go spend time with the creator of the universe, he meets you in a very intimate way. It's the same way when he called out Moses out into the, you know, into the wilderness to speak to him through the burning bush or called him up to the top of the mountain. Or when he called Jesus after he got baptized and the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. God loves to get us alone. He likes to be the center of our attention. So uh, to answer your question, actually everything changes. When I did that for the next 30 days, I was meeting with my with my father intimately every morning, and I knew he was there with me. And mm -hmm. so many men and women in the Lord are missing out on the secret sauce of, of the word of God because they're so attached to this world and the world's time clock. And, oh, my God, I wake up for work and la, la, la. God gives us a fresh wind when we go spend time with him. Amen. And it's just like anything that we do for the Lord, uh, what we give to him, he's going to redeem and use in such a way that we're not going to miss it. If it's finances, if it's time, uh, if it's our talent, whatever, he will redeem it in such a way that either he gives it back to us or we realize that just the blessing of being able to give that to the Lord. We sing it, don't we? Waymaker, miracle worker. Promise keeper, light in the garden. That's right. That is who you are. We sing it, but we don't keep it in our hearts. Right. We declare that he's the redeemer. We know people love to say that I am redeemed. I am sealed. But yet 
They don't put those words into practice. The word of God says, do not deceive yourself being mere hearers of the word, but be what? Doers do of the word. So we have to do what the song says, what the worship song says, you know? So I, I love it when I, you know, I can go into that secret place, pray to my father in heaven. Remember, he says he's going to reward you openly. Mm -hmm. So if you pray in secret, he exalts you publicly. And what's been happening, Dave, with my walk since 2017, little by little, he started to exalt me. Um, but I, I constantly give him the glory, just like the gifts for glory. I constantly give him the glory. Absolutely. One of the ways that you're doing that, we touched on at the beginning of the interview, is uh, uh, the Taken uh, television network. Yes, sir. And, uh, we've got the uh, the website now here on our screen. That's right. Uh, you and, and Barry, uh, this is kind of uh, your uh, brainchild. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, Taken and how did it come about? How did you and Barry hook up and how did it become reality? So once again, 2018, I meet Barry. Uh, we connected that way, brother in Christ. He's behind the camera. He sees me shaking and baking. Uh, fast forward throughout those years, we kept in contact because we kind of served on the same team with ICFF. We were always at the same events, meeting again. And then one day at a at a Don't Say My Name uh, fun fundraiser event, mm. he came up to me and he just shared a, a powerful word. And he spoke into my life and I, was, I received it. And then um, during the COVID season, he actually contacted me and said, hey, John, and he shared with me what was on his heart. And I said, well, I'll pray on it about joining him with the Taken Network and being his host with the hands of Jesus because he saw just uh, who I was, you know, what I was doing and whatnot. And I said, I'll pray on it. And sure enough, you know, I, I, we did it. We, you know, we did, we filmed our first episode and we just hit the ground running. We just traveled all, all over together. You know, we're actually leaving next week to head out to Georgia to film. Uh, I'm going to be a guest on the Christian View again um, with all shout out to the Christian View and all my beautiful people in Georgia. And um, we just connected so hard. So the Taken Network is a network that wants to glorify God. Remember, it's called the Active Kingdom Entertainment Network. So we are quite active. We're always shaking and baking and we are representing the kingdom of God. So to make it on the, the network, you have to be kingdom-minded to make it on a network. Because as you know, Dave, there's a lot of Christians who are not kingdom-minded. No. And that's something I've run across in comedy uh, sometimes. Because uh, as you know, I do uh, some uh, comedy. And I found people that want to com compartmentalize their gifts in comedy away from ministry. Uh, yep. There's one comedian in particular. He's very famous. I'm not going to call him out. Okay. But he's a he's a closet christian he gave a powerful testimony at a church show Ouch. but then he said then he said i'm not you know i don't tell people that because i don't think christian comedians are funny well, well I, i've never Whoa. met him and he has never met me but i'm pretty <laughs> sure in the realm of comedy i would probably roast him to the crisp you know <laughs> because you see i started comedy on the secular side right i was on stage making crash jokes cursing, not representing God uh, the way that I should. And he, I read a scripture. It blew me away. Okay. You mind if I read it? Go for it. I'm going to read the scripture. And if they all, to all the viewers who are watching, thank you for joining, but <clears throat> I'm going to read a scripture that's going to change the game. Remember we were talking about the fact that, that he said that he doesn't think Christians are funny or whatever have you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and your show is called gifts for glory. Right. A friend of mine 
a friend of mine named uh, man. This guy, this guy really represented. He shared a scripture with me right before I went up for my first clean comedy set that, that was recorded called Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. And I was writing material. God told me, don't you know, you know, don't write the material anymore. But I ended up writing material, you know, memorizing as comedians do. And he read this scripture to me. It was Second Timothy two twenty one. It said this. Oh, I'll start at 20. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes. Some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. That scripture transformed me because it cleansed me from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And... I was like, oh my God, God, this is what you want. You want me to just press into your word and, and cleanse me. <clears throat> and then you're going to make me useful and holy for the master prepared to do any good work. So I basically got the preparation down for that when he was ready to release me. And that's how I got into clean comedy. And it just continuously uh, unfolds. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and it's so important to remember that uh, the gifts that were given are meant to be given back to him because he's going to use them for his glory to reach people. And whenever you're using comedy uh, or anything outside of God's will or plan for you, you're you're misusing it. You're essentially slapping God in the face. And and there's so many things that our society uses that are a gift from God that are misused whether it's comedy, uh, whether it's uh, the male-female interaction, yeah. uh, uh, sex, anything like that, it's designed for a purpose. And when we misuse it, we're literally slapping God in the face saying that we know better. And it's so important to use those gifts in a way that honors him and, and that worships him. Yes, sir. Uh, so anybody that's a Christian, that's a, in, whether you're in comedy or acting, um, you can't compartmentalize it you can't say sorry god you can't be in this part of my life because that's that's no relationship that's well, you you, to be Dave, you're you're saying it so well i love your heart for jesus ever since i met you even through social media when we met you know social media you can see who's who on there with what they post how they talk and i love your heart because you said it right with compartmentalize and a lot of people do that and uh, man, this is why one of my one of my good friends of mine is, is, is Cameron Arnett, and I just watch his walk and I see how he moves, man. And you know, he really represents you know Christ over career. And what happens is, is Christians they feel like they need to compromise for the world, you know. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to live boldly for the gospel. You know, you can't say come to the throne and <laughs> boldly come to the throne and not be bold in the world. Right now in 2021, with what we just experienced globally in 2020, now is the time for believers that profess their love and devotion to Jesus Christ. We're supposed to live boldly for the gospel right now and stand on the word of God and be that light in the world in a dark place. And mm -hmm. he will bring the souls. He'll take care of everything else. We just got to be prepared to open our mouths. Yeah, the world is, is our mission field. We don't have to raise money and fly overseas. The The mission no. field is right outside our door. Right outside, dude. Right down. When I go get the mail, you know what I mean? And I see the guy next to me. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? You like my hat? Binge Jesus. Show called The Chosen. Check it out. Just that simple. 
It's the bonus of wearing a hat like this. You know, people want to know, like, what's up with that hat? Oh, wingman nation. Oh, let me read you the scripture. First Corinthians 16, 13, 14. Yeah, you know what that is? It's just that simple. People yeah. need to know. It's it's just like if you got something cool on your shirt or sneakers, and they're like, whoa, where'd you get those from? You know, it's the same thing. Hey, where'd you get that from? Oh, it's called the Holy Bible. Let me show you. Mm-hmm. And we also, as Christians, and it's one of the things I teach when I teach improv as part of my ministry, is Luke 12, Jesus said, don't be afraid of, or worried about what you're going to say when you're pulled in front of the authorities right. because you got to trust in the Holy Spirit. And you, you trust in the Holy Spirit, but you also prepare by reading the Word. Right. And between the two of those things, don't worry about it. Just trust in the Lord, and He's going to open those doors. You just have to be faithful to what you already know and what the Holy Spirit feeds you. Yeah, well, that's how I do my comedy. You know, I, I actually, the Lord told me uh, not to write anymore. So I don't write my sets out. I know what I'm going to talk about, but I let the Holy Spirit operate and move through me. And it's been amazing. Like, I I have enough to talk about in this world that we live in. Mm -hmm. that I can just open my mouth and the Holy Spirit fills it. So it's, added, and honestly, it's, it's alleviating the pressure. And it's the same thing when I act. You know, when I act, I go into worship. Before, before I get on set, I'll go into worship. I'll worship the Lord. I'll just ask him to fill me. Of course, I've already gone over my lines and whatever have you. But when it's time to go, you know, when they say action, I've already consulted the Lord. And I've already cleansed myself of the ladder prepared for the master, you know, for any good work. And then, you know, when they say action, the Holy Spirit activates and, and, and he takes over. Absolutely. Amen. Well, John, uh, it's, it's a powerful story and we love the Taken Network. Uh, not just because I'm on it. Uh, uh, by the way, thank you very much. Uh, this uh, the audio version of this podcast uh, is going to be on there. Uh, also, uh, Well Versed Comedy's uh, television show is on there, and there's a lot of great stuff, including uh, the Christian View, which you mentioned. Uh, Trudy, uh, I know you are good friends with her. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, and it's a great show. It, it's nice to see different perspectives and, and shared opinions as Christians get together and just be the iron sharpening iron. So yeah. view, uh, check that out on the, uh, on the taken uh, television network. And, and we're growing, Dave, we're growing with plenty of content. Mm -hmm. We're growing, we're growing. You know, we, we are, we're, me and Barry have a video coming out real soon. Uh, where we're going to talk about the story behind it and how people can get behind it. But right now people can go on the network right now and click the donate button and start to give if they feel led. You know, they can give if they feel led because we want the hands and feet of Jesus show to come alive and really start blessing the people of the world so they know who Jesus Christ is. Amen to that. And that's how we make things work. Uh, Christians have to start voting with their pocketbook and getting behind things that will edify the kingdom, that will grow the kingdom, that will reach people. Um, it was a sad tragedy four or five years ago that so many within the church were supporting movies like um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Meanwhile, oh. Christian movies can't get the, the budget and support that, that they really need. Man, I didn't know that one, man. You know, uh, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, no, man. You know, we got we to gotta invest in us, into the kingdom. Luke 16 explains that about being the shrewd manager where, you know, we, we take the unrighteous wealth of the world and then we sow it into God's kingdom, and that's how we grow His kingdom. So you got a lot. You got a lot of believers out there 
that really need to uh, allow the word to convict them and stop acting so prideful that, oh, I grew up in the church, my father's a pastor, I know, blah, blah, blah. You know, you got a lot of unsaved people in the church. And I'll be bold to say, you got a lot of people in the church that are going straight down to where the, the temperature is quite warm, you know, and, and they have to start turning this thing around uh, and getting into the work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian, doesn't mean you're saved. Just like I can stand in the middle of a pool, right? And I'm not a floaty. Yeah. Or you can stand in the middle of the pool and not be, not be Michael Phelps. Right. You, you know, I mean, you can go down to the church. That just shows that you know how to get out of your house and find a building where there's a cross in it. You know, the object really is to get there. And then how can you help someone else? You know, you know, when you take a look at the, the church and the pastor, he has so much responsibility on his shoulder to shepherd the flock. Mm -hmm. And he's just asking people to hear the message, take it home and then multiply that thing. Right. Yeah. And that's that's. That's the majority of good pastors, right? Right. Uh, but then you got a lot of people who go to church and say, well, God, do what you're supposed to do for me. You know, take away my pride, take away my anger, you know, take away uh, these bills. But you're mm -hmm. supposed to go into the world, go into the church and serve so you can get filled up, serve. So when you invite someone that they see that the, that the, that the gospel is a living organism, yeah. right? It's Christ living through us, you know, to give him the glory. And now's the best time to break out of the four walls and go into the four walls of the earth and, and go glorify God. Amen. Absolutely. And one of the things that we miss so often is that it's uh, the preachers, teachers that equip the saints for the good works. It's not the preachers and teachers that are supposed to build the church or go out and create all the disciples. They're equipping us to go do that. Oh yeah, that's and, the object. And that's uh, that's so often miss is that we just we figure all we do is get them to church, and it's up to the pastor to save them. No, well, well Dave, you know I don't, you know I, I I know we're probably running short on time, but that's how, what happened to me when Richard Witter of LBC Church in Homestead, when he when he baptized me, from that point on, I was able to see the operation of the church. And that's when I started to learn that some churches operate like a business. Some churches operate like the world. Some churches are not like that. There's just heavy secret sin in the church, you know, divorce and abuse and all kinds of things happening in the church. And I just watched the hypocrisy over three years. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and what Christ did in me, he did what, what, what he did with Paul on the way to Damascus. And, you know, and he just, he, he he put such a ministry in Paul in his heart that he ran after the Lord and, and preached what the word was saying exactly from Jesus's mouth. And that's what happened with me. So that's why I'm, I'm fired up. That's why I'm radical. And I think that's why that in this video, I'm on the side of the flame. If you mm -hmm. see that there's like a flame over <laughs> my head, and I don't think that's by mistake. The Lord has put a fire deep in my bones because I understand how to preach the gospel on a practical sense to an atheist, to an agnostic. I love conversations with atheists. I love to just sit them, sit there and let them talk to me about the Big Bang and how long the earth has been around for millions of years. And then I just go right for the jugular. After mm -hmm. listening to them, the next question I say is, so tell me about your childhood. Mm. You know, I want to know about your dad. 
and your mom. And then you start upsetting them. And they're like, what? Why do you want to know about that? F that, man. F, and they start cursing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that's where it went wrong. You mm -hmm. see, you were just a lovable baby. You didn't come out the womb talking about dinosaurs and millions of years old and Big Bang. No. You came out of the womb filled with love, filled with joy. And probably your mom and dad were the wrong examples that they should be according to the word of God. So it's very simple to me to talk to agnostics and atheists and those of other religions and different denominations, yada, 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 because Jesus is pretty clear in the word of God. Yeah. And it's probably easier to share the gospel and the truth with an atheist or an agnostic or somebody that's even a Satanist than to a brother or sister in Christ that's gone a little bit astray and in, in their understanding because they think that they're saved and they're okay and when you try to give them that iron sharpening iron they're probably more resistant than than somebody that doesn't know the lord at all yeah they're trying to wield the sword back at you to deflect the sharpening mm -hmm. the, the, the object is like it's the same thing when paul came and he preached to those to those who had the gospel remember when peter came down from the upper room those people knew the lord they they knew god and they served God. But when he preached that message about Jesus Christ and what they did to him, they were cut to the heart and then mm -hmm. said, what shall we do to be saved? And that's when he explained to them, what do you do to get saved? So the object is, you're right, it's more difficult to preach to those who are in the church who who swear up and down that they got the gospel. The, the object, is, and honestly, I think the Lord where he wants us right now, he's gonna take care of the unsaved. And, and, and whatnot, but honestly, it's about preparing those who are in the church who does not know about the bride. Right. It's Amen. preparing the bride. The, the, the whole Bible is about God the Father finding a suitable bride for his his son. Mm -hmm. and, and he's preparing that bride right now for the great wedding of the Lamb of God. And, you know, and that's where we should be at, but you got a lot of Christians just trying to like make up new agendas and what God wants. It was always one original thing. It was go into the world, make disciples, baptize them in my name. And then from there you build them up. And in the midst of that, you, you ready the bride for the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. Absolutely. Well, John, we got two more segments as we wrap up. It's been a great conversation. And I truly believe that those that watch and, and those that listen, they're going to be blessed and they're going to be encouraged. And like you said, you've got that fire behind you in, in the graphic and they can hear and feel the fire that's in you because of what Jesus has done and what, what Jesus has delivered you from. That's so right. I, I hope and I pray that uh, even if it's just one, one person gets turned on, uh, whether they get closer and, and find their new love again or find their first love again, or yeah. they find their first love for the very first time. Yeah. Uh, I'm really hopeful that, that this show and this this will be an encouragement to them uh, because you can hear the passion and passion attracts. Uh, yeah. And when people hear the passion, and that's why Jesus had huge audiences because he spoke with love and passion yeah. for his father. And that's yeah. why thousands came to see him. Not because yeah. necessarily he was the most eloquent yeah. uh, speaker or he had yeah. the greatest programs. He spoke with a passion and love of, uh, of yes. God wants his children close. Yes. So, uh, yeah, man, this, this has been an awesome conversation. So our final two segments, uh, I'd like to always end on a kind of a fun note. The first one is called 
uh, the interrogation, seven <laughs> uh, random questions that wouldn't have otherwise fit in our conversation. So here is the interrogation. So our first question is, uh, what makes you laugh out loud? Uh, man, myself, my observation of the world around me, you know, like these ducks in my parking lot that like always takes my parking space. Like what gives them the right to take my parking space? Like who's the head of this committee? Who can I speak to around here? Well, they, they do uh, actually uh, have, have a credit uh, there at your place. And uh, anytime that uh, they want payment, they just say, just put it on our bill. That's what happens. That's what it is. Well, the credit's outstanding. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm a dad joke, but I don't uh, joke oh, maker. But I don't have kids. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> All right. Question number two: uh, What's your favorite treat? <coughs> Man, currently, uh, Talinti coconut coconut ice cream with honey. Like, uh, yeah, me and my wife have been binging it. We, you know, I know Dallas. Like, you know, Dallas Jenkins from the Chosen. Like, binge Jesus. But we've been binging uh, gelato talenti. Yeah, coconut ice cream with uh, honey drizzled on it. You know, so, yeah, that's been my treat. Yep. Nice. I might have to run out and get some of that as soon as we get off the air. Yeah. Um, question number three. Who in the Bible do you most identify with? Uh, Paul the Apostle. Mm. The Apostle Paul. Yeah, def definitely. Uh, he's a pretty scary dude, pretty daunting, pretty intimidating. Um, and I've been told that, uh, you know, I got a lot of fire. Actually, I left some churches because of that. Mm. And, like, people just can't handle me. Well, they couldn't handle Paul. And he traveled the furthest of any disciple out of any of them. So maybe God's telling me something. Maybe. Question number four. Uh, going a little deep here. Uh, what's your biggest regret? Uh, you know, you know what happens when you're washed by the blood, man. We don't really have regrets. Um, at all. But if I can, you know, to answer the question, uh, my previous relationship, there was a young lady, I broke her heart and she deserves so much better. And she's out there right now, uh, not walking with Christ away from the Lord. And, um, and man, if I can just tell her that, I, you know, I, I wasn't a good guy and it was all my fault and, and, and Jesus could take all that pain away than I would. So that would be my biggest regret, what I did to her and um, before I knew the Lord. Yeah. And I, I think that there's a lot of men that have that one. Once they're you know, dedicated to the Lord, they realize, man, there's this one one lady or, or maybe even more than one that, that I did really dirty and I just pray that she can forgive me and that she would forgive herself for trusting a guy like me and more importantly, she would find the Lord. Yeah, that, that's, that's really important, man. And, and I, I want... I want her because she is a gem mm -hmm. and and she's going to impact so many people if she could understand what Christ wants for her life. So that that's how I would answer that question. Yeah, absolutely. Good question. Good question. And uh, so our next question is going to be, um, so uh, what's your uh, favorite joke or bit that you do on stage? So I do this uh, bit. I talk about Adam and Eve, and I just basically say what I would do in the position of Adam. You know, I think that we all wouldn't be in this position if Adam was paying more attention to his wife. So I think the reason why we're in this predicament is because Adam dropped the ball. You know, if I saw someone over there talking to my wife, offering her some fruit, 
and I have yet to dine and eat a meal with her, I'd have something to say about that, you know? But my wife is over there saying like, hey, babe, there's this cool guy named Satan, and he thinks that he said I should eat from this tree. Huh? Wouldn't that be nice? I think I would have kicked that that, that thing out out of her hand, and I'd be like, man, we wasn't even in this garden for two seconds, and you're already talking to some stranger? What's your deal? You know, I think I would have something to say about that, you know? So I talk about that. I go into it. I get a little bit more animated, but I definitely would have tennis racket that fruit out of her hand and, and it would have hit Satan in the face. Yeah, there's a meme uh, that go, or a cartoon that goes around on Facebook every once in a while that says the reason why our wives have so much trouble picking out the restaurant to go to is the last time they picked something out to eat, we got kicked out of the garden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why my wife kind of lets me order. You know, I'm like, listen, babe, this is a real nice place. I'm not trying to get kicked out of here. You remember what happened in the garden, right? That was your sister. <laughs> All right, our next question is, uh, what habit do you have that your wife teases you about? Oh, my goodness. She hates when I scratch my throat. I got this thing when I go like, you know, and I scratch my throat. You know, and it's some weird thing. I don't know, some connection between my ear and my throat. She hates it. I'm like, she hates it. She hates it, you know, but 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 grace. Grace yeah. may abound. <laughs> awesome. All right, uh, final question of the interrogation is, if you could uh, recast any role in history with yourself, what role would you want to play? Oh, my goodness. I would play John the Apostle down at Jesus' feet in the Passion of the Christ. Mm. I'd be looking up at Jim Caviezel, you know, black as I am, crying up at JC, like, Lord, John, this is your mother. Ah, I think I would have, you know, I mean, that guy, he he did it right. But, you know, I would have brought, I'd have brought some more tears, mm-hmm. maybe a little pounding on the ground, on the gravel, out of some gravel in my hand. Maybe my feet would be kicking up in the back. Maybe I looked at the Romans like, why? Why? You know, I, I would have brought a good feel to it, man. Yeah. And and maybe there'd be, a, you know, a couple more million saved. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> so that is our interrogation. Uh, seven quick questions that had no other place in the interview. Yeah. So, uh, the final, final question I ask every guest is for anyone that's looking to step up and use their gift for God's glory. What is your wise counsel? Uh, second, th- second Timothy two twenty one. They need to uh, write that down, uh, tape it to their mirror, write it on their heart, uh, save it on their phone. You know, Second Timothy two twenty one. That's the that's the way that God is explaining for us to give Him the glory for our gifts. So I would I would tell them to recite it, memorize it, recite it, memorize it, have it saved. Whatever you got to do, you know, if you're one of those crazy uh, Christians that like to tattoo themselves, whatever, tattoo it, you know what I mean? Put it on a t-shirt, whatever it takes for you to do, you know, uh, sprinkle it with ice cream, you know, honey and ice cream, spell it out, eat it. I don't know, you know, get it in you, you know, uh, the way I do it, I read it and then I digest and, and marinate on it and then it gets in me, you know, but I, I would say Second Timothy 2.21, they need to get that scripture into them and, and pray it out. Pray that scripture out and watch how God's going to transform your gifts. Awesome. So I've got that on the screen right now. So anybody that needs to can write it down. Second Timothy 2.21. Uh, John Nicholas, uh, you can follow him on Instagram at John Nicholas MCA or uh, connect with him on Facebook 
at John Nicholas CC. And or the Taken Network, they can find me there. Yep, Taken Network uh, at Taken TV Network 777 or takennetwork.tv. That'll link you to uh, the live uh, broadcast on the web. You can also find them on Roku. Uh, all those links will be in our show notes if you need to catch up and uh, get those uh, for future reference. Uh, but, uh, John, it's been it's been a great conversation, man. I really appreciate it. And, you know, we could definitely probably keep this going for another few hours. But we're on yeah. the East Coast, and it's getting almost to uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, yeah. You got a wife to go see. I got a wife to go call. But, man, it's been it's been great. Yeah, my stomach's grumbling. I'm smelling dinner. Uh, and then we started talking about ice cream. I get a little, I get a little crazy for ice cream. You know, and you know, comedians, we can talk all day long. But Dave, you know, I thank you for having me. I'm available for speaking events, comedy shows, hosting, ministering, you know, men's breakfast groups, men's breakfast events, you name it. You know, they can, they can find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook. You know, they can book me there or whatnot. And honestly, it's all about giving God the glory for our gifts. Absolutely. And uh, John, again, thank you so much. Uh, uh, for those watching and those uh, listening, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Andrea Sandifer. Uh, she's from the uh, uh, the Creatively Christian podcast. She's a musician and a singer. Uh, that'll be on next week's show. And the following week, this is going to be a great interview uh, with uh, Sandy Kirkham. Uh, she's got a book called Let Me Pray, uh, uh, pray on You. Yeah. And uh, I, I stuttered on that, so I apologize. But that's going to be a powerful one in a couple of weeks. So uh, uh, join us every week uh, right here on uh, Facebook Live or on the Taken Network or any podcast platform that you may subscribe to. We'd love to connect with you. And, uh, um, John, it's been a pleasure, man. I uh, hope you have a great rest of uh, your night and uh, praying the best for uh, Taken Network. Praise God. Thank you so much for having me on. This is one of the better interviews that I've ever done. Uh, man, you're awesome. You're doing a great job. I want to continue to pray for your ministry. And let's continue rocking this thing out for the kingdom. Yeah, amen to that. Amen. So everyone have a great night, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.